When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode. I'm Lucas, I got Chris here, no Uriah tonight, but that's okay because we do have a special guest with us. We do have the great Tom Moore. Tom, thanks for joining us, I very much appreciate it. Sure guys, glad to be here. Yeah, we're super excited to have you, Tom, and we can just jump right in with some Sixers talk. Obviously, the talk of the town past couple days has been Ben Simmons, who semi-officially, via a report, has, has a demanded a, retra- a trade from the Sixers. He reportedly told the Sixers press that he's not going to report to training camp and that he has no intention of playing for Philly again. Um, that report, of course, came from Keith Pompey. So for you, Tom, sitting at home when that report dropped, what, what, what was your initial reaction? Were you surprised? Did you see it coming? What, what were your thoughts right away? I, I mean, I think the Sixers had to have an idea it was coming. It, was, it, it, it really wasn't a question of if, it was more when. You know, just given everything, all, this, all the circumstances and not, you know, apparently not talking to Sixers management and uh, – I, I guess upset at you know the post uh, se- uh, seventh game uh, remarks from uh, Embiid blaming him for uh, you know the loss being the turning point you know the uh, passing up on the open dunk and then uh, Doc Rivers not you know when David Murphy asked him said uh, you know I don't know if if you know we we can be a championship caliber team with Simmons at point guard and I think you know. From a guy, you know, and I wrote a column about this that went online last night. The Sixers really did not hold him accountable. And I know with stars that happens sometimes. But, you know, when Brett Brown said you got to take one three a game and then in the next 20 games when he takes a total one three and there's no ramifications and he's still playing 40 minutes a night, the player knows he can do whatever he wants. And, And that happened with, you know, that happened with Doc Rivers. That's happened you know, all through his career. And I guess you, you know, then you get a little bit of uh backlash or a little bit of criticism and, you know, react, uh, you know, apparently in this fashion. Yeah. You, you definitely hit the nail on the head there. That's for sure. Um, and I, I tend to agree. I don't, I don't think they handled his development well, not just on the court, but off the court as a human being as well, because let's face it when, when, 
franchise selects a player, especially first overall, they're not just responsible for him at, on the court. They're responsible for his development off the court. And, you know, there's some red flags there, uh, obviously. Keith was the one that officially reported this, but, I mean, I mean Kendrick Perkins, and I know we give Kendrick Perkins a lot of grief, but he said this back on the jump, like, during the summer league. So, I mean, he said that this was a possibility. I wrote a couple weeks ago, if not a month ago, that this could be a possibility, that this could happen. And like you said, it wasn't a matter of if, and it was a matter of when. And honestly, I'm surprised it took this long for Ben and Clutch Sports to make this, like, pseudo-public, you know, request. I saw it coming. I'm not really surprised. I, I tweeted out, I knew it. Pretty sure that's what I said, or something, a variation of that. So, yeah, no, I'm not surprised at all. This is this is very, um, I, I expected this to happen, especially with, apparently, and I don't know what, maybe it was because the Sixers never played Terrence Ferguson and then traded him, but I apparently Rich Paul has had has some type of resentment towards the Sixers, for sure, because this is, this is the second one of his clients that he's trying to get out, because, you know, obviously he did not want Nerlens Noel to rejoin the team uh, in free agency a couple years back. So just throwing that out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, just from the outside looking in at this point, it seems like Ben and Clutch were willing to give the Sixers some time this summer to try to get a trade together before they uh, push the envelope a bit. Uh, but we're less than a month from training camp now. It, it has been abundantly clear, as you said, Tom, that Ben Simmons does not want to be here. I, I, I think we all knew a trade was inevitable. The threat of a holdout is probably the biggest bit of news from that Keith Pompey report. Um, but as Lucas said, people have been speculating about that for a while. Kendrick Perkins reported that possibility a while back. So it's certainly not out of the blue. Um, but Tom, do you think this has a significant impact in any way on the Sixers leverage and trade negotiations? Or do you think teams already sort of knew it would land at this point? What are your thoughts there? Well, I think they are. They are. They kind of knew, but I think you know now. There's a time frame. Now there's less than four weeks until media day and the start of training camp. So if there's no trade, he's not going to report. And now you're going to have. Are they going to find him? It's going to be a constant uh, distraction. Questions asked of Doc Rivers and Maury and or whoever. You know, Maury will probably talk to us once. Um, you know, at the beginning. Uh, so yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think you're going to end up probably get, you know, having to take a package in return, kind of like the Sixers did with Barkley in 92, when he forced his way out of here, or you get one very good player in Jeff Hornacek and a couple of decent players in Tim Perry and Andrew Lang. And that's when you trade a star, unless you get a star in return, you almost always lose it in the trade. And, you know, really the Sixers, a lot of draft picks in 2024 and 2026, they don't help. To me, they don't help uh, Joel Embiid. I don't know how long his window is. I don't know that he's going to be, you know, playing at a high level at the age of 35, you know, in, in seven or eight years. So they really need to, you know, try to move things along and figure this out. Um, I mean, I, I appreciate Daryl Morey not wanting to take the best offer because it wasn't up to you know, what he wanted and what he's asking for, you know, multiple impact players, multiple first round picks and potentially pick swaps. But now whatever you were asking for, I, I don't think, you know, to, there's the likelihood of a team 
doing that has decreased to me fairly significantly. So now you got a, a time frame. You're kind of uh, on the clock, and what can you get? And the longer you wait, unless Damian Lillard decides he wants out at 31 from Portland and tells him that, you know, I don't see a real, you know, a superstar or somebody they're going to get in return who's going to have the kind of impact that Damian Lillard is. So, uh, you know, I don't know what the chances are, but to me, that's, it's, you know, if it's not him, I, I don't know where they go. The, you know, the next best offer may be a significant dropout. And that's even with adding other players and picks to get Damian Lillard, who's 31 and has three more years under contract. Hey guys, as summer is almost over, the weather's getting cooler but you still have to handle your trimming needs. Let me remind you that Manscaped can easily handle this for you. Grooming gets easier and safer with the Lawn Mower 4.0 and Weed Whacker. The Lawn Mower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor and is even waterproof. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their skin safe technology. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. Trim upstairs or downstairs using Manscaped products today. And get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. And now, back to the podcast. Yeah, to piggyback off your um, your point, yeah, they, they, they did lose leverage, a lot of leverage, in my opinion, because now that it's public that he doesn't want to be there, they can't go, they, they, and he might hold out, like, they can't just hold on to Ben Simmons, though. They might be able to get through training camp okay with this, but, like, they're not going to, he's not going to be, there's a chance that he might not even show up for the first regular season game. And I could see him with the amount of money that he still has left on his contract, sitting out some games just because he, you know, and maybe Tom, you can answer this question for me. Cause I don't remember if this is the NFL or if this is the NBA, but I, I've one of the leagues, if you don't show up for your, for games, your contract year doesn't start. Now, is that the, if that's the NBA, then, Ben Simmons is just stuck on his deal longer. But, I mean, if he's the NFL, he's still losing money either way. And yeah, I mean, I, but he, I, can, he, he can afford to do that. I know. I think it's the NFL because remember the uh, the Steelers running back a few years ago? Never. That's reported. right. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Right. And, he, and it, it got pushed back to the next year, and then he was traded to the Jets or whatever it was. Um, so I'm pretty sure – it's the NFL now. I, the, the Sixers can tr- can fine him. They can withhold his paychecks because right, those are right. Yeah, paychecks. They, there's financial things they can do. Um, they won't necessarily help things. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not an ideal situation, really, in any in any way. You know, for the Sixers to be in, if you're you know trying to get past the second round, which you haven't been able to do in four years, and you're trying to figure out you know what you can get. You have an eight point two million dollar exception that's expiring September seventh, but it would be nice to know what you're getting in return for Ben Simmons, so you know what you would want to address with that exception. Now it looks like perhaps if you're going to use the exception, you just have to address it 
in whatever way you think is best and then take the Simmons, you know, react with this, the Simmons, whatever you can get from Simmons after that, again, assuming they're going to use, use that, maybe they'll just let it expire. I don't know. I think that that would be a bad mark on Daryl Morey's uh, resume. Cause let's, let's be real for a second outside of the draft day trades for Danny green and Seth Curry, you know, he missed out on James Harden, which may or may not be his fault because, you know, his relationship with uh, Rockets ownership has not been great. And maybe they just didn't want to do a deal with them. But then the, I don't feel like this is the best way of handling the Ben Simmons situation. Like, I wouldn't have made these trade talk public. Like, and I know we've never heard from him directly, uh-huh. but, like, I wouldn't have let this leak out. Like, this is I, something that you keep keep co- close to the vest as much I, as you I, can. I don't think Daryl had much choice in that. It certainly seems like Ben's side was probably making things as public as they could. Yeah, because uh, then then I felt like all the leverage, you're losing leverage, uh, more and more leverage each day. And for me, like, at this point, I, and I tweeted this before we came on the pod, but, like, honestly, you got to start considering just a straight-up swap for, like, C.J. McCollum at this point because his value is con- going to continue to go down. And that's not a good, that's not a fair return for Ben Simmons. But I, and I, I forget who, I think it was Chris, uh, Broussard that said it, but like when CJ's not playing with Dame, he's averaging like 26 points a game for the past two seasons. Encouraging, yes. All star level, maybe in the East. We don't know. The East has gotten a lot stronger. Um, but CJ yeah. McCollum is not on the same level as Ben Simmons, especially defensively. Um, playmaker, yet to see because we don't really, he hasn't played point guard on a consistent basis since college. But, I mean, at this point, we have to start considering of that being a possibility, just a straight-up swap, which I know earlier this summer Sixers fans didn't like. But at this point, with leverage gone, it could – Portland's going to win the staring contest between, the you know, them and the Philadelphia because team's not going to ask out right away. Yeah. And, so. and this sort of segues nicely into my next question for you, Tom. But I do want to say, you mentioned future draft picks probably – aren't best for a team that's trying to win now. But I, I think the flip side to that is, is if you're still holding out on hope for Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal or someone of that caliber asking out in the future, even if you don't have Ben, if you can get like three or four first round picks, that's extremely generous at this point. But if you can add a couple picks to the picks that Philly already owns, you can throw like six or seven first round picks at Portland for Lillard. It's it might be hard for teams to beat that. So if you're kind of aiming for the future in that respect and you don't think you can build a contender with whoever you get back for Ben now, then maybe maybe picks would be the right move. Do you do you see any logic to that, Tom? Well, to some degree, but you're gonna also have to match salaries. You know, yeah, so who if you get rid of Simmons the only real big money salary guys you have are Embiid and Harris. Yeah. I, um, I think teams are you're not going to do it with Danny Green. You're not going to be able yeah. to do it with Seth Curry. So I guess how do you get it done unless yeah. you have to involve a third team and a fourth team and, you know. Yeah. I mean, they have, well, they have I'll little, say this. This is, this, is a, this is one of the repercussions of not guaranteeing George Hill's contract because now you can't trade it because that was a valuable trade piece. And I, I think the big – elephant in the room there is probably Minnesota who seems really eager to get Ben and doesn't have a lot of top end talent on the roster that they want to trade. 
uh, I, I think Malik Beasley and Patrick Beverly gets you pretty close to Ben salary wise. So if you throw in a few picks there, that could be a way for Minnesota. Well, Jaden McDaniels is going to have to be involved in any trade. Yeah, yeah, there'll be other pieces, but but I, I think that could be one way. Um, but my my next question for you, Tom, is, is pretty simple. Are there any teams that you have in mind that should be going after Ben Simmons, where you think he makes a lot of sense on the roster? Well. You know, the thing is, because he's a, uh, you know, he's a distressed asset, shall we say, you know, teams like that and they like trying to get, you know, a deal, you know, somebody who they can get for less than perhaps what the true market value is. Um, You know, I'm not sure about like the L.A. teams. I don't really see given their given who they have and and so on. And I'm not sure how that would work there. Minnesota, I could see that they might want them, but again, would have to involve a a third or or maybe even a fourth team. Um, You know, there are other teams like Oklahoma City. He doesn't make any sense there because they're totally rebuilding. They have a ton of picks, but why would they want him? You know, because they're kind of starting over and they seem to be sort of tanking. And there's a lot of teams where he doesn't make sense. Brooklyn, you know, Miami, you know, a lot of the really good teams. Um, So, yeah, Sacramento has a lot of assets, but I don't know if they have the right combination that would make it work. Um, So it's really kind of hard to, you know, hard to see. It it depends how they, you know, he ideally for him, he join a team where he doesn't have to be, you know, a real factor on offense. They have a lot of shooters. Um, They have a lot of, uh, you know, versatile guys who can come off the bench where, I mean, with him last year, like you had a hard time playing him and Dwight Howard together and you could never play him and Thibel and Howard together because they were so limited in the half court offense. So you, 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 you can't really have him join a team where there's one other guy, at least who's not a shooter because now there's two guys, essentially you don't have to defend. So it would need to be the right, you know, team. Uh, you know, Dallas with Doncic, but I don't know what else, but Dallas would have to give up, you know, to get him. That would also have to involve a third or fourth team. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really hard to say, um, you know, at this point, he could, he could make sense on a lot of teams, depending what they're doing and what they're hoping, you know, to do at 25, he's got four more years under contract, um, you know, so they know, you know, he's going to be there or he's, going to be under that contract at least for four years yeah you make a good point it's kind of hard to pinpoint but based off of you know the tea leaves that you see on twitter and what the analysts are saying teams that are involved you mentioned minnesota you know the fit is natural there because they need a defensive four they already have a you know perimeter attack of d'angelo russell anthony uh anthony edwards and carl anthony towns Simmons works perfectly as a distributor, kind of like a Draymond Green to that core. Um, and then, of course, Portland, because they need to upgrade, and Ben is an upgrade over CJ one-on-one. I mean, Portland would have to give up more, but you get the gist. Another team that I've, I've been hearing a lot of buzz about is the Toronto Raptors. Now, obviously, going for a straight-up swap of Ben Simmons and Siakam doesn't make sense, but let me throw this out there for you guys. Three-team trade. Sixers get um, C.J. McCollum plus whatever else you want. Uh, Siakam goes to Portland and Ben goes to Toronto. Toronto has the qualified shooters, as you mentioned. 
Siakam has been on the trade uh, trade rumor mill for a while now, especially since they got a uh, Scotty Barnes in the draft, who literally plays the same position. You probably they would probably have to part with Scotty Barnes too if they get Ben Simmons because you don't want to have an overlap of talent there. I don't I don't know where Scotty Barnes goes, but he goes somewhere probably to the yeah. Sixers. I mean, that's fine. The Scotty Barnes point is is a good one, but I'd also just say if you're Toronto, I think you take Siakam over Ben like every day of the week. Ooh, ooh. I, I mean, I think he's probably a better player. Ben, he's had more postseason success recently than Ben. I, I don't know why you'd want to trade him for Ben. I mean, I'm just that. I mean, Chris, tell me if I'm wrong, but that is a team that's been on the rumor mill for Ben. They so that's. I, I, I mean, don't I don't. It, but they they have. Well, maybe they think of Fred Van Vliet as like an off guard. Maybe they, I mean, I can see the idea of surrounding Ben with, you know, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., Ananobi, who are all really good three-point shooters, Kim Birch, or whoever they get at center. I think, who else did they sign at center in free agency? Well, Birch is a solid center. I like Birch. And I think they got somebody else, but I can't remember off the top of my head who. Um, Yeah. But I'm, like, I'm not sure, but we, we probably need to move it on to the next yeah, topic. Yeah, let's go ahead and switch gears here, and we're going to talk a little bit about Ben's holdout if it would last during the regular season. And I kind of mentioned this already, Tom, but if Ben does sit out, who starts in his place? And I think we, we kind of got a good idea, but kind of go into that for us, Tom. Well, I mean, the the positive would be you'd have more of a traditional lineup now where, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you – I don't know. You kind of, I mean, Simmons' defensive versatility was, you know, he could guard one through four, maybe even fives at times. Um, But you can play a more traditional, you know, group and you can bring whoever off the bench and not have to worry, well, I can't play Dwight Howard with Ben Simmons because they just don't work. Um, uh, You know, I I guess Green's going to continue to start, although I, I think he's, he's a little iffy. I thought Fibel had a chance to be a starter if he could, you know, knock down some threes. But he, mm-hmm, he I agree. But he really did not improve his three point shooting from his rookie year to last year. So he, he, unless he makes a big jump, he probably isn't that guy yet. Um, you know, I, I, you could go Maxi uh, theoretically. You'd be fairly small with Maxi and Curry and Green. You know, you'd have six three, six two, six six. You'd be fairly small, you know, with that group. Um, I wouldn't mind if they look to trade um, Shake Milton. I, I just, I don't, I just think he's a he's a scorer with that second group, but I don't think he distributes enough, gets other guys involved, and I think Maxie's kind of a better version of him already. Now, I don't know whether Maxie will start or come off the bench, whatever. They have so many wings and guards, etc. But it is an interesting question, and it really impacts them. Offensively, they'll be better in the half court. They should be. But defensively, you know, that that could be difficult. You don't have some of those mismatches where you can have Simmons playing uh, free safety or whatever, to, you know, against certain teams. You're, you're not going to have that, you know, you're not going to have that luxury anymore. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I think Maxi is like the – fairly obvious answer most guys but as you mentioned tom they lose a ton defensively with maxi there danny green was talking on a podcast recently and said he might become the primary defender um if ben gets traded that's a pretty 
tough situation if you're Philly. I don't think Danny Green's quite that guy anymore, as you mentioned. And uh, mm-hmm. Matisse, I agree, isn't a starter yet. I agree that Shake should probably not be a focal point of the Sixers' future. Um, and yeah, yeah Chris, like, is a, Chris is a Shake hater right now. Uh, I wouldn't say hater, but like Sixers are probably going to get worse with this trade, at least in the short term. Um, well, they're not going. They're not going to get. They're not going to get better. Let's put it that way. Excuse yeah. me, you know, from unless, the trade. Unless it's Dame or Beal, short and I don't think it, it, get better. You can it pretty much cross Beal off the list, I think. So Lillard's your only yeah. chance. But I will say, well, if, let you, me throw, if, throw, if you think Danny Green's going to be your best defender, do you remember Game One against the Hawks? Yeah, you're. you're you know what I mean? Spot. Like maybe five years ago, but he's yeah. not that guy anymore. He's a good off the ball defender. He is not a great, especially with a quick guy who can create shots for himself and others. And Trey Young was the perfect storm, and he he couldn't stay in front of him whether they ran a pick and roll or whether it was straight up one on one. And I'm not knocking him; it's just the reality of him at 34 years old. He can't do that anymore. Well, let me let me let me let me say two things real quick to that, Tom. I the there is a third player that could end up be getting on that list, though it probably won't happen until near the trade deadline. If the Chicago Bulls struggle, Zach Levine might let it be known that he's not coming back, and they might want to uh, trade him. Uh, clutch ports. <laughs> oh, is he a clutch port? Well, then never mind. Yeah, um, like yesterday. Um, oh, did he really? Okay, well then never mind. But um. The other point is, yes, but I think we're underestimating how good Maxi can be defensively. I mean, he when he was in there guarding Trey, he did not do a bad job on Trey. He yeah. kept with them. So I think I think Maxi's going to take a step defensively this year. I mean, yeah, he's not going to be the best defender, but he's not going to get burned on defense. Now, yeah, Seth Curry, yeah, probably. Danny Green, I you know, the Sixers are going to have to rely on Joel Embiid defensively, like the Utah Jazz rely on Rudy Gobert, which is good for Embiid's chances to win defensive player of the year because, you know, he wants that really bad. But it could – I would be surprised if we're a top 10 defense next year. I think we'll be a top 15, but not top 10 without Ben. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair to say. I think there'd still be a top 15, but not a top 10 without Ben. Unless, like you said, Tom, Thibault gets that three-point shot because then you can insert him in the starting five. And I would start him over Green in that case. Yeah, no, I just before we move on, I just want to say I don't. I honestly don't think you can start Maxi and Curry together. I just don't think it works defensively. I think you're probably making Curry the six man, and whether it's Thibault or another wing, I, I think that might be the setup that Philly has to go with, just because you need some size on the wing, or you're you're just going to be in a world of hurt defensively, even with Joel. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's not a bad and, and that's not a bad role for Curry. He used to do it with Dallas all the time, and it worked out well for Dallas. So, and he was yeah. fine with it. So that could be fine for Curry. I don't mind him as a six man. You lose a little bit of shooting, but you don't need as much because now Ben's not on the court with Joel. So, uh, I got another question for you here, Tom. How would do you think the Sixers compensate Simmons's loss on defense? You know, assuming that he sits out. Yeah. No. I mean, if you would start Maxi. Um, Curry and Green, that is not a very good wing trio. Um, mm. You're going to be getting beat off the ball. Embiid's going to have to really help increasing the chances of you know foul trouble. Tobias Harris is not a great defender. Um, so it would be nice to have Thibel at the defensive end, but you know, offensively, that uh, maybe you could do it since Simmons isn't there, but it is not 
you know, it is not ideal. But that's going to be tough. That's going to be the biggest area, I think, where they're going to they're going to lose. You know, they're going to lose out and not have the size and versatility that he gave them. Um, and they they really can't replace that. They they can juggle things and and be a little better. Uh, you know, not better than with Simmons, but they can have better defensive lineups. But you know. Uh, uh, than offensive lineups, if you will. But, you know, uh, Rivers is going to have to be creative. Um, and, you know, guys like Maxie, who got a lot of better defensively last year, but I, I don't know that I would, you know, call him necessarily a great defensive player at this point. Um, they're going to need some guys to really, you know, stop the ball. That has been the Sixers' problem, you know, for four or five years on defense it's, since they've gotten good. Guys like uh, Levert and Dinwiddie and Trey Young who can create shots for themselves and others and are quick. They, you know, they, they have been torched. Kemba Walker, those guys, how many times have been torched by guys like that? So that's going to that's gonna be a real concern. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So we're, we're going to close out the pod with some Joel Embiid talk. This is keeping with all the Ben stuff. Um, he went on a bit of a rant on Twitter this morning talking about First, it was a report from, I believe, um, Jeff Zilgit, who said that there was a rift between him and Simmons that has been escalating. And basically, Simmons versus Embiid, and the Sixers had to make a choice, which we've heard before, obviously not quite at that level, but Embiid tweeted out quite the uh, rejection of that report. said, quote, stop using my name to push people's agendas said also i love playing with ben stats don't lie he's an amazing player and we all didn't get the job done um obviously there's been some talk about him throwing ben under the bus after the game seven loss in that press conference seems like he's kind of trying to walk that back maybe build up a bridge that can't be built at this point tom what were your thoughts on some of joel's sentiments that he tweeted out today do you agree let me put it this way. Do you think that he would welcome Ben back on the Sixers? Do you think that's a real sentiment that he holds? I mean, I think he knows it's it's there's going to be a divorce. It's just a question of when and what's coming in return. But I thought it was interesting how he called out the Philly fans and then got a lot of flack. And about 15 minutes later, kind of clarified things and kind of walked it back a little bit. I thought that was interesting, um, you know, the way he he did that where – um, yeah, this, the, the retort was for clarity. I love the criticism. I love when I'm told I can't do something. It makes me work harder, prove everyone wrong, but not everyone is built like that. And, and you know, you don't know if, if that's a, a kind of a vague reference to Simmons, you know, or what, but yeah, it's easy. It's easy to criticize. It's easy to blame everybody else. I mean, I, I'm curious to see how Danny Green is treated after, you know, the stuff he said about the Philly fans, uh, you know, and not supporting, um, you know, booing and not supporting Simmons when, you know, I thought I think Sixers fans have been were incredibly patient with Markel Fultz and Simmons and mm-hmm. through, through his offensive regression. I mean, the way, you know, I mean, if he shot 50 percent from the line against the Hawks, they win that series easily. 50 percent. We're not talking 80 percent. We're talking made half of his free throws yeah. instead third um so i think you know the fans are and they and they obviously were upset with simmons mainly for passing up that open dunk with three and a half minutes to go and just for not wanting the ball 
um, uh, you know, in the fourth quarters, not taking shots in the last four fourth quarters against the Hawks, three of the, of, of the games the Sixers lost. But I think that's an interesting push-pull with the fans you know, and the players, and it'll be, I don't think Embiid will get booed, but I think Green may hear it a little bit, um, just given everything. Yeah, I, I, I think Joel has certainly earned himself enough goodwill with the fan base to, to maybe take some risks on Twitter. Um, but you mentioned, he did say, quote, like Philly fans, y'all got to be better also. He referenced two years ago during that Al Horford season when things weren't so great, some fans were as we all remember, maybe sort of half-heartedly throwing Joe into the trade machine and saying maybe we made a mistake investing our future in this guy. Obviously, he came back much better and has since proved himself to be one of the best players on the face of the earth, and he earned his extension this summer without any questions from the fan base. But do we think that's a fair comparison, Tom Lucas? Do you think... Ben and Joel are at all comparable in that way. Obviously, Ben's seems to be much, you know, his situation seems to be much more self-inflicted. Um, I'm sure Clutch Sports would tell you differently, but that that, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think they're very different. I think the situations are very different. And I think you're right, Chris, you know, Embiid has kind of built up some, I don't know, good faith or whatever it is, you know, by performing, by playing well. I mean, you know, he their their two best players in that series against the Hawks uh, were, I would say, were Embiid and Curry. You know, because oh yeah, Myers Harris has really kind of not gotten a lot of attention, but he was not very good in the fourth quarters. He reverted back. Yeah. He was not an end of game guy. He was he was either not taking shots or when he was taking and he was missing them. He really hurt them in that series because they needed a, another scorer, and. You know, they had Curry and they had uh, Embiid largely, and that was pretty much it in, in the fourth quarters. And the bench struggled, so the starters had to play major minutes. Um, but no, I, yeah, I, I think Embiid, I think Embiid, you know, won't hear it. It might hear a, a stray boo here, here or there, depending, um, you know, what happens between now and I guess October when the, uh, you know, when the preseason starts. And then the, I guess the 20th of October, they opened the regular season. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, I mean, you could see it with, with Simmons, you could kind of see it coming. Um, and you know, how many times are we going to see videos of him knocking down three pointers in summer league games, you know, in, in, in LA or whatever it's and driving and dunking. It's, it's just so irrelevant. It has nothing to do with anything. Everybody knows we see him do it in pregame. We see him do it in practice. But you got to be able to, you got to have the confidence to do it in a game or else it doesn't matter. It's all, he doesn't want to embarrass himself and he doesn't want to get fouled. And that, that, the not wanting to get fouled is why he's so hesitant in the fourth quarter. It's like a hot potato. He gets the ball past half court, gives it up and runs to the dunker spot or the corner where nobody has to guard him. Um, Embiid, they always have to know, you know, he, he's going to get a double team almost constantly and they have to account for him at all times at both ends of the court. Simmons defensively is fantastic, you know, was a runner up for the NBA defensive player of the year. Um, but, you know, Embiid is at another level. He is, as Brett Brown, you know, repeatedly referred to him, the Sixers crown jewel. He's the guy. Simmons was the number two, or you could even argue number three, depending how you, you know, look, you look at it. Uh, offensively was certainly number three or number four, but overall, you know, was probably their second best player, three-time All-Star, but 
Um, yeah, it, it, this it, this was going to happen. It just was a question of how far, you know, down the road. Maybe if they beat, you know, the Hawks and this and that doesn't ha- happen, and let, let's say they lose to the Bucks in the conference final, or you know, in the conference finals or whatever, um, uh, we would not be in this situation now. But be, for a number of reasons, and we, you know, we know a lot of them. Um, that did not happen. And they had everything. Sixers had everything going right for them. They had they didn't have to play Milwaukee or Brooklyn until, you know, until the conference finals. They had home court advantage. They had other teams that were banged up and injured. I mean, it was perfect. I've been on the beat for 33 seasons. This was the second time they had the best record in the East. The second. The other was 2001 when they made the finals. Um, so this does not happen very often. And it, it was a perfect storm for them. And you have to, you know, you have to wonder with the Bucks, you know, coming off a championship and assuming the the big guys in Brooklyn can stay healthy. Don't forget that Harden didn't get there until January. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, can, can they win the conference again? I, I'm not sure. Regular season, excuse me, when I say win the conference, have the best record in the top yeah. seed in the, in the East, I meant. Yeah. Yeah, no, you you hit the nail right on the head there. And with Joel that season, he was playing on like he always is playing with a disadvantage in, offensively with Ben on the floor. But he had Ben and Al Horford, and he was a little upset with the six. And you know, he admitted this later on, but he was upset with the Sixers front office because they didn't bring back Jimmy Butler or JJ Redick. So he was playing a little. He wasn't at his best, and he admitted it. And he came back and played at an MVP level. I mean, he redeemed himself, and Simmons clearly does not want to give himself a chance for redemption here in Philly, and that's fine. Um, But, yeah, this is all self-inflicted. And we saw in his first summer league game that he was willing to take outside shots, and he was, even during his rookie season, he was still doing it more than he does now, and now he's treating himself like he's Draymond Green. But the only difference is Draymond Green can't hit outside shots, so Ben isn't willing to try. And the outside shots, and we just had a J- Coach Lynham on the podcast uh, previous episode, uh, he, and I agree with him at this point that Ben Simmons' problem isn't the jump inability to take jump shots, it's the unwillingness to go to the foul line and draw contact because he's so afraid. Like you said, he's so afraid. And honestly, and you're right that you know Sixers fans were very patient with him up to this point, and they were patient with Markel. And I don't think there's any resentment with Markel. It just didn't work at the time. And that's not anything on Markel. Markel didn't force his way out. Simmons, on the other hand, is. You know, but, uh, you know I don't, Markel, well, Chris, Markel sort of forced his way out. He, he, no, he kind of wanted to be out. It seemed like he did, at least. I, I Well, we there's no reporting on that for certain. Unless, I mean, unless, Tommy, you know something we don't. But, um, Wasn't there? I, well, no, I, I would... I would say it was best. It was pretty apparent. It was best for all concerned yeah. that he go somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah but there was no, there, there was no request or anything, and there was no and all that. The mental health and all that. It was just time for a new, a new start for him. Yeah, and thus the Tobias Harris trade, right? Because they wanted to have another score on the court. Yeah, like old, yeah, and to be fair, having a guy like Jimmy Butler, you know, who's like really hardcore. For a guy like Markel, and to let's be real, Ben too, is probably not the best thing for their confidence because you know those 
pretty shaky at that point for yeah. Markel for sure and Ben to a lesser extent. But um, my point being is that, yeah, this is self-inflicted on Ben 110%. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, looks like we have reached the end of the road, fellas. Um, Tom, thank you so much again for coming on the pod. We We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. And make sure you guys read Tom's Tom stuff on the Bucks County Courier. Uh, great stuff. Been following Tom for as long as I've been covering the Sixers, so like 2016. And he's been around a lot longer than that. He's he's a veteran in this game, as a knows a lot. Great, great to have you on, Tom. Sure. Yeah, you can read. You can uh, at at Tom Moore Philly. You can access all my stuff. Um, you know links and stuff like that so sure chris and lucas uh thanks for having me thank you for tuning into yet another episode of the six or cents podcast you can subscribe like comment on apple Podcasts, spotify google play audible all that stuff it would really help us out and until next week i hope you all have a good one and we will certainly have more more ben simmons stuff and more Sixers stuff to talk about in the future so We'll talk to you all then. Thanks, everyone. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.